Yeah, I'm, I'm getting emotional, not gonna lie. <laughs> You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Welcome to the scrimmage. Loud noises. Daniel is no longer with us at this moment, but he shall return. Hey, he's he's with. He's, he's back. <laughs> we hijacked the intro because hey. he left the room for about ninety seconds. <sighs> What's going on? What did I miss? Well, uh, people are listening to the scrimmage. Hopefully, oh, they are or watching the scrimmage. Wow. And uh, you're People. Daniel Hargrove. I am. And I'm Justin Domashevitz. <laughs> okay. Trusty producer Andrew Gross is here with us as gotcha. well. He actually kicked off the show before he played the intro music by, I'm assuming, accidentally playing <laughs> you saying that you were getting a little emotional. It was, it was uh, pretty amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad he... It still sounds like a better start to our show than last week. <laughs> <laughs> last week? You know what? <laughs> we, we did our best. We did. <laughs> You with, guys did great with with what we had. Also, algorithms be weird. Yeah. Apparently, going live on a mobile phone alerts rando trollers throughout the world to watch our show and send weird, weird comments. Yeah, but not until like you've already been live for forty minutes. Yeah, it was really weird. It was very weird. What? Maybe you made some new fans. The one thing that I remember is shout out to that kid who plays Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> I did shout him out. You did? Yeah. He's like, can you shout me out? Can you shout me out? Can you shout me out? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck is going and on? And then people trying to put inappropriate uh, racist jokes in the chat and yeah. try to get us to repeat them. Yeah. Which we did not fall for. No, we did it's not. It's probably the one thing we did right <laughs> in that show. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, this is a new week. Yes. And we have a producer. We have a producer. Which will inevitably make us better. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Francis tries anything in the chat this week. <laughs> that guy's a troublemaker. <laughs> uh, speaking of Andrew, can you send me the link to this week's show so I can send oh, it to yeah, my family yeah. so my uh, my family can know that we are on the airs? Well, the things I'm most excited to talk about this week are an amazing Friday night of basketball on the harbor yes. with two rivalry matchups on the boys' side, both which ended up being. Really exciting games with really exciting finishes. The uh, Aberdeen Hoquiam game, and then also the Monty Elma game, which has huge playoff implications as yeah. well in that Evergreen 1A league, which we will talk about um, a little bit later. So I'm very excited to talk about those games, as well as a bunch of other cool stuff that happened. We got a good swimming update from Aberdeen Swim and Dive team. Yes, we did. And uh, I got an extremely long message from Coach Eddie. Yeah, with lots of different things. Did you good, get that as well? We got good goals stuff. Okay, we got we got good goals stuff. Yeah, we were invited to go. Uh, good goals stuff. Yeah, we were invited to Guff. go watch the goals yesterday. They had their. Uh, U19 boys and girls teams playing 
but each of us had a different reason why we could not attend. <sighs> yeah, I was moving. Yeah, you I had mean, the reason that seemed most unpleasant. Andrew was out of town watching a, a basketball game of a family member, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, college basketball. Yeah, you, that was awesome. You were hauling cube. I was, <laughs> I was hauling cube. Hauling cube. Oh man, it was. And the house that my buddy moved into, mm-hmm. three stories. Oh, the entryway to this house is on the second story. And the amount of times that I picked up two boxes and I was like, where do these go? And the wife was like, that one goes upstairs and that one goes downstairs was too dang much. <laughs> That's when you drop it in front of him, in front of her and say, then move them yourself <laughs> while she's holding a baby. Yes. Yeah. Or you hold the baby. Oh, there we she go. She takes the box. I will say, I'll trade you. I mean, you. don't be sexist. I'll hold the baby. Actually, the fact that you didn't take the baby and give her the boxes is sexist. Right? So, bad job by you. Gosh. <laughs> I didn't know I was so sexist. Next time, take the baby. <laughs> Just grab it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, my wife's better than me because I tried to like carry anchor on my back mm-hmm. while I was doing the moving. And I made it a little bit. But then I finally had to just like set him down and let him roam, and hopefully that he didn't like break anything of this mm-hmm. person's new house. Courtney almost the entire time had Veda on like front packed while and she was cleaning size, and doing stuff. So you could have yeah. that's actually comparable. <laughs> you could have actually stopped that story at "My wife is better than me," yeah. and it would apply to all three of us. So that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> did you mention our sponsors yet? No. Thank you Who to our sponsors, <laughs> Spivey Realty Group and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. No relation. We really appreciate you sponsoring our show as we support local athletes. And with that, Justin, are we ready to get things rolling? Oh, yeah. With the two-minute drill. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hello. Oh. Gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball around. Gun do right. Gun do right. Three jet Buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Daniel, your Oregon State Beavers men's basketball team swept the Pac-12's Arizona schools this week. Yeah. After losing five games in a row. Arizona currently is ranked eight in the nation. Do the Beavers have the rest of the conference right where they want them? Right where we want them. At three and six. Just completely lulled into a false sense of security. (laughs) No. But Jordan Pope's the real deal. When he gets on a heater... That kid can score from anywhere on the floor. Real Damian Lillard vibes with his confidence and shooting prowess from the outside. So if he gets hot, I mean, he put up 31 points with the last ones being the game winner against Arizona. He gets hot and he's hard to handle. In those two games, he combined for like 50 points with a ridiculous shooting percentage as well. So he can give them a chance in any game, but no. They're, they're not very good. <laughs> Justin, your North Carolina Tar Heels currently are really good. Ranked three in the nation. With top ten teams losing left and right, the landscape of men's college hoops is tough to put your finger on. Are the Tar Heels for real? Short answer, yes. Long answer, <laughs> how long can I have? Yeah. About 20 seconds. I really <laughs> like this team a lot. Uh, the transfers that came in have made a big difference. They are a, they're willing passers. They have players who complement each other. And most importantly, they're an excellent defensive team, which I haven't been able to say about Tar Heels teams very often over the last several years. I think this team is primed to make Final Four push. push. Daniel, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
Yeah. Appear to be set to finish off the Ravens here. They're in field goal range. About two minutes left in the game and up by seven. Who will you be rooting for in the Super Bowl if it's Chiefs versus Niners? Oh. <laughs> Can you just play the buzzer, Andrew? There's, There's another, another question. question. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> if it's Chiefs Niners, I'll be rooting for the Niners. Ooh, me too. Go Brock, go Brock Purdy. <laughs> LeBron James and Steph Curry added another. Oh, man. This is the other question you made me. Yeah, this is an important. Andrew, you should have just buzzed it. LeBron <laughs> James and Steph Curry added another story to their historic rivalry on Saturday when the Lakers edged the Warriors 145 to 144 in double OT. LeBron and Steph became the first opposing 35 plus year old players in NBA history scored 35 or more points. A, it's amazing they're both playing. Yeah. Justin, how much does this matter? It's, <laughs> it's a cool story that two guys of that age are still competing and performing at a high level. It's a cool story that LeBron James set his career high of rebounds in that game. Is it a cool it's a cool story, story or is that it Steph Curry a- scored 46 points, but if anyone would try to convince me that this is an amazing uh, or it's a really important part of the NBA season in a game between the ninth best team and the twelfth best team in the Western Conference. I'm gonna say no. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I can and- see why people would be interested in it, but in this in the story of this NBA season, doesn't matter. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That's a good way to put but it. I, buzzer was a better answer. That to was that, the actually. absolute <laughs> worst two minute drill you guys have ever done. It was what? entirely about basketball. No, there was and a Chiefs was question in there. I didn't hear it because I wasn't listening. My boy Patty Mahomes and my Niners may square off in the Super Bowl. <laughs> By the way, I'm hoping for the Lions. Oh. Yes. Like, by far in a way, hoping for the Lions. But I'm coming around on the Niners a bit because the Brock Purdy story is pretty awesome. The biggest problem with the Niners is their fans. That's a good point. Yeah. Rob's just miserable. Justin. Justin is the worst. (laughs) Wait a minute. No, you can't do that because then Rob will reject me as a Niners fan. If I'm bringing down the overall likability of 49ers fans, then I will be shunned. What? No, I need to be the most likable of Niners. I'm texting him right now. No, no, don't do that. I'm saying Justin is bringing down the overall likability of Niners fans. I don't believe mm. that the that Niners. is a negative for Niners fans. I believe that would be viewed as a positive by Niners fans. They want to be unlikable. Yes. Yeah. That's the only explanation for how unlikable Except they are. I don't know how to spell likability. I don't know if it's an actual <laughs> word. Is it an actual word, or is it just a word that people say? What's the the Q score? Is that what the... Yeah. <laughs> Q rating? The Q rating. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to expand upon out of this uh, two-minute drill? It's sad to me that right now when you see good players for bad teams in college sports... Mm-hmm you don't get the feeling like, oh, maybe they'll build around this guy. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, he's gone next year. Like, I fully expect Jordan Pope to be playing for, like, North Carolina next year, and he'll be their sixth man who just comes in and shoots. Whereas right now, he's, like, the guy, mm-hmm. you know? But I'm, I'm not saying North Carolina specifically. I'm just no, saying, I, like, he'll go to some bigger program who needs a shooter. He'll come yeah. in off the bench and make, like, four threes a game. Yeah. And that's that'll be his role. 
Well, as as someone who I think I'm the, probably the biggest college basketball fan I know. Like, there's not a lot of people who are really avid college basketball fans. Right. And I follow the sport more closely than I think most people do. Yes. Um, which still isn't a ton, but I do choose to watch college basketball over NFL football on a regular basis. I like that about you. But um, <laughs> I will say that this the way that the NCAA decided to let everything get completely out of control yeah. has made it difficult to fan. Yeah, because you don't know year over year what your team is going to look like. It's it gets harder to embrace guys when you know that there's a good chance they're only going to be there for one year. Right. So I totally get that, and yeah. I don't think it's good for the sport. But I also I don't blame the players or the sport itself. It's the NCAA's fault for being like, fine, you guys want to have you guys want pay, players to be paid, you guys want transfers to run rampant. Go ahead. Do it's what, the Wild West. Exactly. Do whatever you want. They put no guidelines in place yep. and just let it get to a point where everything's crazy. And I do think over the next couple of years, we're going to see some rules and guidelines put in place that are going to make it a little bit easier for you to embrace the guys that you have. Right. That so, makes sense. But I totally get that. I mean, yeah. the... We just, were just talking about North Carolina. Yeah. And a couple of the most important players on their team are transfers from other schools. Yeah. One's a grad transfer, Cormac Ryan, but another and one, like yeah, yeah, but another one is uh, wait, a what's transfer. his name? Cormac Ryan. It's not a name. Cormac. What? It's not a name. Cormac. Like, is it yeah. hyphenated? Cor. No. Mac. Nope. Ryan. One word. It's just Cormac. Yeah, but there's a lot of names out there that aren't names right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, good call. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like I mean, if somebody watching... named their kid Anchor. <laughs> that's not a name. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Have you ever watched the the show um, The Neighborhood? Uh, has, I haven't watched it yet. It no. has a uh, Cedric the Entertainer and Schmidt from New Girl. They're like <laughs> oh, the, of the show. I need to watch that. It's a it's a good show. Okay, it's the about this Got like it. white family that moves into a predominantly black neighborhood. And, okay, like, it's really funny. Okay, and one of the things is the the white woman's name the like the Schmidt's wife. Yeah. I can't remember his name in the show, so he's, I'm just going to call him Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. Schmidt's wife. Her name is Gemma. So and in the show, every time they say Gemma, I say out loud, not a name. <laughs> not a name. That's not a name. <laughs> to the point where when I watch that with my wife, she looks at me like, I know you're about to say yep, it. Yep, you're going to say it. Yeah. Just like I the have, word of the year. It's really hard for me to let things go. Just like the word of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every single time. It's, it's two words. It's two words. It's two words. It's two words. Um, with that, random thing popped in my head. Okay. Why does everybody say it's the Wild West? Like, I know why, because that was like the Wild West was like a time where there was thought to be not many rules or law enforcement. Yeah, I think you, that's it. I think you answered your own question. But throughout <laughs> history, weren't there lots of other times like that? Yet the only reference you ever hear was, ah, now it's just the Wild West with the transfer portal and stuff. Throughout, like Throughout the history of America? Of everything. Because this is America. But also, like, <laughs> when the... Okay, so you're telling me that right when the settlers it's came like Somalia. over? It's like Somalia. Well, the, the, the Wild West was more recent. Okay, recency so it's just bias. the most... You know, calling it the Wild West is recency bias. I think culturally... <laughs> I think culturally we as Americans all share that like the, the legendary mythology of the Wild West. Probably. Okay. 
So would like, you prefer if people said, "This is crazy. It's like Plymouth Rock, right?" <laughs> but the, pl- yeah. this is like the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Would but, you prefer uh, Mayflower? Well, do people do people like in Britain? Are they like this is like King Arthur times? Hmm. Is that or or like? Well, they have a more recent example with Brexit, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think it was just lawless for I, Brexit. I think it kind of got that way for a minute. Is that what it was like? No, people were like probably say it was like the Troubles. The hmm. Troubles. That's such a British. Oh my gosh. Well, it's troubles. like Moss would say, "This is London. It's not someone with cake." <laughs> IT crowd reference. You're so welcome, good. everyone. <laughs> so good. Go watch it if you haven't. My sister still argues with me that this sh- it's called the It Crowd, and she's like, yeah. and I'm like, no, it's the IT Has crowd. She watched it. Yeah. Oh Has yeah. She, she loves the they show. Don't say they work in it. Yeah. She, but she says it's the It Crowd because it's a it's the play on the words. That's what she says. And I'm you, like, it's the IT crowd. You She's texted like, no. me. Justin is bringing the overall likability of Niners fans. Down. Was it only you? Because oh, I know you sent it to the group. Okay, you I was gonna say I'm pretty sure I sent that to the group. You did. Yeah. My bad. Gosh, bad job by you. Bad job by me. Uh, we got a couple comments. Uh, Francis says, "Let's go Niners." Robert says, "Go Niners." Don't see. This is what he'll do. <laughs> he'll start calling your team the Nurs. That's why you don't want him. He'll start making up stupid nicknames for your teams. No fan base wants me. I join anyway. Francis says, name, "There's an official process you can join." Name on the front of the jersey matters most if you root for college. Yeah, I agree. Don't with let Francis your fandom said. be decided by the decision making of an 18 year old. If you're if if you're even paying attention to the kids' names, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is it's. It's really hard when you get excited about yeah. your team and yes. then they're just gone. Well, I think that like that like wasn't... that's he wasn't. I don't think that's what you were saying. Right. Like I get Francis's point and I agree, but, but... you're not going to be like Francis and jump ship and go root for another team. Yeah, that's a good point. He also <laughs> says Matt Cormick means son of Cormick. It's a name. What's Matt Cormick? McCormick? Is McCormick a name? It's uh, season salt that's in my cabinet right now. <laughs> McCormick. <laughs> Sounds like it used to be a name back in, during the Troubles. Some people go with Johnny's <laughs> season salt. More of a McCormick kind of a guy. You know, it sounds Scottish. So I feel like saying his name's Cormac. Yeah. A, he looks McCormick Scottish. is not Cormac. And B, to say it right, it has to be like, Ah! McCormack! <laughs> <laughs> Which you can get on me for my Scottish accent there, but I think I'm pretty much nailed. That. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I will, I think you Boy, nailed Scots it. Yeah. Ruined, Scot- ruined Scotland. <laughs> are you guys? Uh, are we ready to move on? I think we to are. My favorite part of the show. What? Serving questions up on a silver platter, like where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for stump, Daniel. Uh, Daniel. I also hope this is better than last week. <laughs> last week was so funny. <laughs> it was not good. Daniel stumped himself and Justin. <laughs> yeah. Did not go well. Um, yeah. No, it was fine. It was fine. And this will be better. Okay. I'm glad this will be better. Speaking of the Detroit Lions, okay. Daniel, the team that you are hoping will make it to the Super Bowl. Sorry. There we go. Found it. Rob says that was an awful accent. I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was good. I'll try again later. 
Daniel, with the Detroit Lions making it to the NFC Championship game this season. Yes. There now are only two NFC teams which have not played in the conference title game since 2000. Wow. Which teams kind of are impressive. they? Two NFC teams that have not played in the conference title game. Yeah. Since 2000? Yeah. Gosh, that's a long time ago. It's actually... It's interesting that I structured it this way. <laughs> it's actually since 1996. But oh, okay. when I heard this stat given, it was like, since the turn of the millennium. Mm, the millennium so since 2000. Um, let's see. Okay, so I know the Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals, and Rams have. Okay. I know the Packers have. Okay. You're going through, you're doing, this is your deal. This is You go deal. division, yeah. you go division by division. Right. Yeah. But the fun part is always, can you remember what teams are in the division? Right. That's so true. <laughs> uh, the, and we're not counting the Lions, because right. they're in. They're in it. The Vikings okay. have. Uh, who's the other team in that division? You you <laughs> had the Packers, Vikings, Lions, and Bears. Bears. Thank you, thank you, Andrew. The Bears. I been can't. In the... Is that NFC North? I guess I can't. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> it is. I no. I I knew I was right on the team, but then oh. I was like, I'm not sure if I even know what. Division yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, it's the NFC North, yeah. Okay, so now we go to the South, which is the Saints yep. have. The okay. Panthers definitely have. Okay. The Bucks have. Okay. Falcons. And the Falcons have too. Okay. Okay, so now we go to the East. Okay. The Giants definitely have. Okay. The Cowboys. The East. The Cowboys are in the East. Yes, I know, which is dumb. So the Cowboys, Eagles, and the Eagles definitely have. And the Commanders. Sorry. Have the the Commanders since they changed names, and does that count? Well, they're still in Washington. The Washington football team. Okay, so I'm going to say the Commanders... Are one of those teams. And this would just be awesome. And I can't think of it like... I'm pretty sure it's the Cowboys. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the Commanders and the Cowboys. Commanders and Cowboys, final answer? You didn't hesitate on any of the other teams. I you didn't. were like, that team did, that team did. Yeah, because I remember did. Super Bowls where like most of them were in it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm looking at you and yeah, no, wondering if I'm trying to trick you. I can't think like it seems shocking to me that the Cowboys are in that this conversation, but yeah, I think I think it's the Commanders and the Cowboys. Well, Daniel. You're correct. 
Let's it is go. Washington and and Dallas. And yet it's always the vaunted NFC East. Let's give them all the prime time games. And the fact that Dallas has had several legitimately really good regular yeah. season teams. That's true. I think they had a fifteen and one. And team. they've never been to the. Haven't even I mean, not been. never, but they haven't been to the division championship game since the ninety five ninety six season. Wow. That's a long time. That's so awesome. And the that reason makes me happy. why you had such me- such a vivid memory of all these other teams having been in the conference championship yeah. game, it's because the third longest drought besides those two is Chicago in 2010. Uh, yeah. Okay, because so, I was thinking like it's a 15-year gap between Chicago's drought and Dallas's drought. Yeah. That's crazy. Because yeah. Chicago went to the Super Bowl that year, right? Yeah, I think that Devin was the Hester they lost returned to Peyton Manning. To, yeah, wait. It was Peyton Manning? Wasn't it? Colts? I thought it was New Orleans. Well, they're in the same conference. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was Peyton Manning. I, yeah, because it was always like, oh, they Peyton Manning's got a Super Bowl, but it was against a Bears team that everybody was like, <laughs> how the heck did they get there? Rex Grossman. Yeah, Rex. Oh, my gosh, Rex Grossman. I was thinking of Devin Hester and Brian Erlacher. Yeah. And then I was like, I know they played in the Super Bowl, so that means they had to have made it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know where the Seahawks fall on this list? You mean? They what? have the fifth longest drought. Oh, not okay. I see what you're conference saying. Championship. Yeah. Really? So behind Washington, Dallas, Chicago, which is 2010, and then the Giants, which I found interesting because I still think of the Eli Manning Super Bowl era as recent. Yeah, me too. But it was like uh, 15 years, 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I was about to say, I was like, oh, the Giants. It must be the Giants. They are terrible. And then I was like, wait a second. You know what? The, the This frustrates me. The reason why I did so well on these is because I just started running through Patriot Super Bowl victims. <laughs> But the Giants were the ones who beat the Patriots, that's so true. that's why I remember yep. that one. Yeah. So, Daniel, you have succeeded. I You're glad. in the beef zone, Ooh. which means you have the rest of the Pac-12 right where you want them. Right. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm, I'm three and six. You have successfully avoided being stumped this week. So, that makes me feel better about some of my previous takes. When the Seahawks would have these good teams, mm-hmm. and yet everybody, I'd be like, something's got to change. Yeah, something's not right. And yet the argument was always like, "Well, well, they're making the playoffs," and I'm like, "Yeah, but then they're underperforming, or they're overperforming, meaning that something's wrong with their team building. That means that them getting to the playoffs is a good thing because that's not good enough when you have a franchise quarterback." Yeah, and I know that went off a cliff quickly, but the what four or five the five years after the Super Bowl team they had a Super Bowl quarterback in his prime so I don't know now we sit in limbo because are we going to get Jim Mora or are we going to get Mike Holmgren are we going to get Pete Carroll like I'm, I'm saying like what is this next iteration going to be remembered for is it going to be like oh remember that jim mora year where it was so bad that he got fired or is it going to be mike holmgren got him to the super bowl pete carroll got him to the super bowl like won a super bowl won a super bowl got him to two that's true so are are we gonna hit on this next coach and have success or is it gonna be like oh wish we had pete back 
At least we won games then. Well, I think there's what's coming. Yeah. I mean, what if John wants some high picks and he and he on purpose hires a Jim Mora for a year? <laughs> that, Dude, that'd be the best way that, of yeah. of uh, tanking. Teams, teams do that all the time. They hire bad coaches on purpose. The Texans did it with uh, what was that guy's oh, yeah. name? The, the like, Broncos did. Oh wait, seventy <laughs> seventy year old guy who had never had a head coaching yeah. job before, and they were like, "Hey, we'll pay you six million dollars for one year to be the scapegoat." And then we'll when once you've tanked a season, like this is a thing that te- well that's another term. It depends on what does scape yeah. mean. Scape? Yeah, you'd be a scapegoat. Oh, come I'm on. Not sure about the origin of that word. Okay, that just never thought about it before. Scapegoat. Hey, Rob, you're in a very thoughtful mood this, <laughs> this show. Random. <laughs> you're you're into words too. Andrew's gonna look it up. Who's gonna find it faster? Or maybe you already know. Why is the term scapegoat a thing? Hmm. 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 Do you let him go? Like, well, you do cut him because if you cut him before like the 16th of February, then you don't have to worry about his salary number. Oh yeah. You're going to be bad next year. So you're just, you're just like, yeah, who cares? You're going to be bad. Well, Why are you going to be bad, though? I thought this team was actually talent-wise yeah. pretty darn good. It felt like they underperformed this year, except for quarterback, which was, well, I don't they, know, I feel like Geno kind of was inconsistent, but I feel like that's kind of who he is. Well, they're talented, but young in some really key spots. Like, yeah, but you see young, talented teams make the playoffs all the time so you your your impression of this season was that they underperformed yes okay i don't know that's how it felt coming off of last year i felt like they performed exactly like i thought they would like being a just like somewhere just over 500 team that was in the hunt for the playoffs you don't think their offense had a lot of weapons on it yeah it it did but it didn't have a franchise quarterback or a good, healthy offensive line. That's the health the part. The yeah, yeah, I guess the health part. That's a good point. Yeah. And also, so I Tyler guess, Lockett is not that good anymore. Would you stop saying that? <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's always open. He's open. I can't wait for those stats to come out, which say... Because the year before, do you realize that he had the highest percentage of like being open out of the entire league just one year before? I'm convinced it's Geno Smith's fault for not throwing him the freaking ball because he was trying to force feed DK the whole time, so DK didn't punch him in the face. And then also, you got the coaches going, oh, we did spend our first round pick on a receiver who is the first receiver. Take it. You should probably throw it to him, too. So you have this massive Hulk angry guy who uh, you should probably throw the ball to, and you also have this guy that we picked in the first round who we're really not using a lot you should probably throw it to him and tyler lockett's going that's all right i'm just 10 yards open every freaking play was he i barely watched dude look at like all of his catches he's like by himself i'm so disinterested in the nfl i don't know how to get it back how do you get it back you need another you need another russ you need another peyton manning when you have been at the height of your nfl fandom you've been a peyton manning guy and then a russell wilson guy that's true boy i'm the worst kind of fan and now you need another guy who's your guy gonna be does it have to be drafted can it i mean let's see where drake may ends up 
didn't you say that with who was the last North Carolina Sam Hell? Sam Hell. Yeah, I, I love the commies. Suck for Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but that, neither so neither Peyton nor Russ were college quarterbacks that the, you liked. The difference with well, we loved Russ in college. We did. I loved Russ in college. Yeah. Did you love Russ in college? We did. I loved him more than you did. <laughs> like on a scale of one to ten, you loved him an eight. I loved him a nine. So there's that. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think, well, with Sam Howell, that uh, happened before the draft. So he ended up sliding all the way to the fifth round. Now, Drake May is still like really solidly in that, like, I'm going to be a top five pick range. Why did you like Peyton Manning so much? I didn't Do you remember that? like Peyton Manning at all until he was in the NFL. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy's so- good. I'm going to root for him. That was just it. Well, I hated Tom Brady and the Patriots, naturally. Right. And I picked his mortal enemy. That actually doesn't seem natural. It seems more natural for you to be a big Brady fan. Yeah. Why? Because you're a Braun fan. You like Rudy for winners. Yeah. Hmm. But I guess Braun, maybe maybe you like really talented people who choke. Oh, Hmm. I was going to say maybe Brady didn't come into the league with enough expectations to get Justin's love. I don't like this conversation. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. That accent is terrible. Okay, so Rob Burns says, It is biblical. A Jewish bird post sent a goat into... What? A Jewish bird post sent a goat into the wilderness to symbolically carry the sins of the people on it. Yeah, that's... Uh, What's a bird post? I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and then Francis says, as part as good as Russ was this year, I hope the Hawks bring him back. <laughs> Rob says, Jewish chief... Oh, there it is, Jewish chief priest. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's a weird autocorrect. There we go, that makes sense. Uh, Daniel says, I really think Russ has too much drama attached to benefit the team. Yes, so true. I um, want him. If Russ comes back, I'll be back as a Seahawks fan. As right now, I'm not one. Francis says there is a Russ available. Go get him. Oh, my wife chimes in. Scapegoat, a person who is blamed for the wrongdoings, mistakes, or faults of others. Leviticus 16. Accurate. Oh, so Rob and you guys were all on top of that. Andrew said he was like on top of that, too. Uh, Justin said, or Francis says, so his favorite quarterback should be Lamar Jackson. Why? Because you like really talented people who choke. I don't like this conversation. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. I've been rooting against Lamar Jackson from the moment he got into the league. Why? Because I didn't like the narrative of how amazing he was. And then watching him go choke in the play. This is, it's counter. <laughs> I don't want to, you're, you're making me, you, I'm saying things. I'm saying words. And I don't like the words. But I'm going to say them loudly and emphatically because reasons. And if you doubt me, then you're wrong. And you're the one who's wrong. And I'm right. I think we need to take... End of argument. I think think this is a good spot to take a break because we have a lot of good local sports stuff to get to after this break. So make sure you stay tuned because the meat and potatoes of the show... Mm. Potatoes. (laughs) It's coming up after this break. 
Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and Spivey Realty Group. Oh boy, we got a lot of good stuff in the local sports. You have just been watching basketball like crazy yeah, all season. I have. I've been watching my usual one game a week, but I've had some good ones. It's uh, been a snoozer has been few and far between. It's like the opposite of football season. It's so great because like as a broadcaster especially when you're only doing one game a week, how often do you go through a season where you feel like every game's a blowout? Oh, all the time. so much. Seriously. And you've gotten, you've been blessed with lots of really good games. So many games good games. Yeah, and it really helps that the Evergreen 1A is just everybody, everybody has a chance to win every night, except for Eatonville, which just makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's weird? Eatonville has a chance. But, but they just haven't been able to win yet. Well, it doesn't look like the games have even been that close. Some of them have. Some of them have. Okay. Um, but no, like, Elma beat Eatonville something like 78-30. to 30. Yeah. So there's been some serious blowouts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, both times that Monty played Eatonville, it ended up being, like, less than a 20-point game. I think it was in the ballpark of like 14 or 15 points. Oh, less than a 20-point game. Well, That's those basically can be, close. Uh, those can be more competitive than you think, Daniel. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Well, let's roll out the roundup. Let's Spray round it up. on the weeds. Let's round up the rollout. Oh. A pair of all-state Montesano football players announced their college football commitments this week. 1A Evergreen League Lineman of the Year Camden Taylor will continue his football career as a defensive lineman at Eastern Oregon University and 1A Evergreen League defensive MVP Peyton Domashevitz, no relation, will compete in football and track at the University of Puget Sound. And track. Nice. Mm -hmm. In a great night for boys basketball rivalries on the harbor. In the harbor? On the harbor? On the harbor. Is it on the harbor? You're on the harbor. We're on the harbor? Yeah. I guess if we were in the harbor, we'd be pretty wet, huh? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Montesano's boys basketball team exploded for 31 points in the fourth quarter to beat Elma 69-59 in front of a standing room only crowd in Elma on Friday. Gets loud in there. Camden Taylor led the Bulldogs' balanced scoring attack with 16 points. Jackson Wilson scored 14, including nine in the fourth quarter. Tyce Peterson chipped in 13 points, and DeLon Chan added 12. Ooh, nice little five-headed, four-headed monster there. Yeah. Case and Seberg led the Eagles with 15. Traden Carter and A.J. Holmes were right behind him with 14 and 13 points, respectively. Wow, balanced on all ends. Yeah. On Wednesday, Montesano hit the road and took out Eatonville 56-44. Chan led all scorers with 18 points, while Gabe Bodwell... Recorded 10 Gabe points Godwell. and 7 boards. Babe Godwell? Babe Godwell? 
Elma at 4 and 2 in league play and 12 and 6 overall still has a shot to share the league title if they win at Tenino on Wednesday. Go Montes- Eagles. Montesano at 4 and 3 in league play and 14 and 5 overall could finish anywhere between 2nd and 4th depending on the result of their game at Hoquiam on Friday and the result of the Elma Tenino game. The interesting thing as we mentioned that Eatonville has not been very competitive. Technically, if Eatonville wins out and Montesano beats Hoquiam, Eatonville could still squeak into that fourth spot over Hoquiam in the league standings. Just crazy. Yeah. Also on Friday, but on the west side of the county, Hoquiam's boys basketball team defended its home court with a 66-62 win over Hoquiam. Hoquiam had to open up the rarely... Over Aberdeen. What did I say? Hoquiam beat Hoquiam? Yeah. You know, sometimes we beat ourselves. <laughs> Hoquiam had to open up the rarely used upper section of the stands on the other side of the court to contain the crowd. Then Hoquiam's Lincoln Neme and Aberdeen's Baylor Ainsworth put on an impressive offensive display. Neme led the Grizzlies with 30 points and 6 assists. And Ainsworth led all scores with 33 points, including 16 in the third quarter alone. Hoquiam's Chris Bryson. Is it Bryson? Bryson. Bryson. Okay. Chris Bryson recorded a double-double with 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Fellow Grizzly Xander Jump scored 7 points and pulled down a team-high 14 rebounds. Earlier in the week, Hoquiam lost a home game to Tenino, 60-54. Nimi led the Grizzlies with 22 points in the loss. Hoquiam, 2-4 in league play and 9-9 overall, could claim the Evergreen 1A League's third seed in the district tournament with a win over Eatonville on Monday and Montesano on Friday. Again, so much movement can happen in this last week alone. It's so crazy going into the last week that there are so many different scenarios in who could finish everywhere between the top and the bottom. Yeah. This league's been fun. On Wednesday, Aberdeen picked up a convincing 70-43 home win against Rochester to improve to 4-6 in 2A Evergreen League play. Ainsworth recorded 23 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 steals. Jabron Brooks led the Bobcats with 10 rebounds, while Jacob Cusada added 12 points and a team-best 5 steals. Nice. Raymond's boys basketball team picked up a 49-29 win at North Beach on Tuesday to improve to a 7-4 record in 2B Pacific League play. Chris Quintana led the Seagulls with 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 steals. Austin Snodgrass continued contributed 15 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 steals. Tyrell Curry, Sith, led the Hayaks with 8 points. Raymond was back in action on Saturday and picked up a 62-49 non-league victory over on Alaska on Saturday. Quintana recorded 16 points, 3 assists, and 3 steals. And Dalton Welch added 13 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals. Willapa Valley's boys basketball team won at Three Rivers Christian 67-11 on Tuesday. Blaine King scored a team high, I'm sorry, a game high. 18 points for the Vikings. Actually, he would have beat Three Rivers Christian all by himself. <laughs> and that included a perfect 4-for-4 <laughs> four four from beyond the arc for Blaine King. Great game. Wow. 
Montesano's girls basketball team locked up its fifth consecutive league title with a 56-34 home win over Elma on Thursday. Bulldogs sophomore Jilly Dalen led all scorers with 17 points and added 10 rebounds. Lex Stanfield shot 4 for 4 from beyond the arc and scored 15 points for Monty while also swiping 7 steals. Teander Olsen led or excuse me added 12 points and 7 assists for the Bulldogs. Alea Weld led the Eagles with 11 points. Elma still has a shot at second place in the league and will play a crucial league contest on Tuesday at Tenino. Earlier in the week, Montesano beat Eatonville 58-39. Stanfield led all scores with 18 points while recording 8 steals, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. So that Lex Stanfield... I'm sorry, I cut you off before you could say Dalen led Monty with 17 boards. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> I just thought, I wanted to point out that Lex Stanfield, while we said she had seven assists, or seven steals in one game and eight steals in another, this is the same girl who had 14 steals in one game last week. That's a lot she of steals. She has really emerged not only as a scorer and a shooter, but a phenomenal defensive player for Montesano. That just feels rude. Yeah, it is rude. <laughs> you just keep stealing the ball from the other team, that can't be legal. <laughs> Aberdeen's girls basketball team won at Rochester 43-30 on Tuesday. Annie Tro led the Bobcats with 17 points, while Zoe Tro led with 15 rebounds. Oh my gosh. Bentley Brown added no, 7. No, no. Yeah. These, you make sure you got them right this time? Yeah, Annie and... Yes. Okay. Annie scored the points. Zoe got the rebounds. Wow. Uh, they're about 5-2. Yeah. So 15 rebounds. That's a lot. That's just how they play. That's awesome. Bentley Brown added seven points and eight boards. Aberdeen committed just eight turnovers in the game and took seven charges, including what? four by freshman guard Sophia Knutson. Whoa! The Bobcats taking a charge is a special skill. Yes, it is. And it requires you to be a slight bit crazy. <laughs> the Bobcats <laughs> now have like... won three straight league games and secure and can secure the fourth seed in the district tournament with one or more wins. Or with one win and a, or a Rochester loss, Aberdeen okay. will host Hoquiam in a non-leaguer on Monday. You know what's really crazy? Taking a charge from LeBron. Or Jabron. Sorry. Somebody yeah. tried to do that in the Aberdeen Hoquiam <laughs> game the that other night. Oh, did they That's do crazy. It? Uh, no, they got called for a block. Oh, So they brutal. tried to do it, and they didn't even get the credit for it. They just got <laughs> just crushed. There was a play in the Monty Aberdeen uh, boys game, not this past week, but the week before where uh, an unnamed Montesano guard, who's about uh, 5'10 and a half and 186 pounds, drove <laughs> right specific. at Jabron, yeah. jumped up, smashed into him, bounced off, and the call the foul got called on Jabron. <laughs> it's just not fair sometimes with these big guys. It's not. Well, we call it the Jordan Spradlin rule for yeah. a reason. Willabaugh Valley's girls basketball team improved to 6-4 in 1B Columbia Valley League play with a 66-38 home win over Nacelle on Thursday. Ryland Channel was one of four Vikings to score in double figures and led the team with 20 points. Tyler Keaton scored, scored 15, Addison Merkel added 12, and Kylie Fluke, another fluke, chipped in 10. Hadley Russell pulled down a team-high 10 rebounds. Valley will play a non-leaguer at Ocasta on Monday. On Tuesday, the Vikings beat Three Rivers Christian, much better than Two Rivers Christian, 61-14. Lauren Matlock led Valley. 
with 17 points. Well, technically, I think they're only one better than Two Rivers Christian, but whatever. Raymond South Bend's girls basketball team whooped North Beach 80 to 18 in South Bend on Wednesday. <laughs> but they're 33% better. That's a good point. Ava Lynn Stegall led the Ravens with 22 points to go along with three assists and three steals. Emma Glazier and Ava Pine each recorded 14 and 10 points respectively. Sorry, not each. They recorded 14 and 10 points respectively for RSB. Kendall Koski had a double-double with 12 points and 11 steals, while Cassie Koski had 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 steals for the Ravens. Hoke Williams girls basketball team snapped a 5-game losing streak on Tuesday with a 40-25 win at Tenino. Lexi LeBounty led... Lexi LeBounty led the Grizzlies <laughs> with 14 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 steals. Sydney Gordon added 6 points and a team-high 12 boards for the Grizz. With the win, Hoquiam has locked up the fourth seed in the upcoming district tournament. Ocosta sophomore Anna Davis recorded a triple-double triple dub in leading the Wildcats to a 52-19 win over Hoquiam's JV on Monday. Davis scored a season-high 32 points, pulled down 18 boards, and swiped 10 steals. That's a lot. Eighth grader Bristol Toll, who is real, <laughs> added 15 points for the Wildcats. Aberdeen top Shelton 91 to 74 in a boys swim and dive meet on Wednesday in a boys swim meet. There we go. <laughs> Tyler Bates. That's won, poor writing. Sorry. Tyler Bates won the 100 yard backstroke and the 50 yard freestyle while also helping win the 200 freestyle relay and the second place 200 yard medley relay team. Jacob Halleck won the 500 freestyle, and sophomore Zeke Wilson won the one-meter dive. Zeke Wilson. What did I say? Wilson. Dang it. Sorry. On Saturday, Aberdeen won the one-meter... I This is a long On paragraph. Saturday, Sorry. Aberdeen took fourth, fourth place. place out of 20 schools. <laughs> I just lost my place. I missed from you line. up. I no, apologize. you didn't. Yep, out of 20 schools... From multiple classifications at the Southwest Washington Invitational at Mark Morris High School in Longview. Those dang monarchs. With several swimmers earning top eight finishes throughout the meet, Bates took third in the 100 backstroke and at 1 minute .63 seconds, one of the district's fastest times for Class 2A swimmers. Jacob Halleck and Denny Linker went fourth and fifth respectively in the 200 individual medley cole nylander was fourth in the 100 breaststroke and zeke olsen was sixth olsen was also fifth in the 100 butterfly head coach rob burns cited bates for his time drops and overall performances linker for his toughness on the day and cooper gill nylander olsen and preston williams for their overall performances on Wednesday, Aberdeen will send a small group of swimmers to the District 4 2A sub-district meet. It's a sub-district at Mark Morris, dang monarchs, for a chance <laughs> to advance into the district meet. Whew. Aberdeen top Montesano 52 to 18 <laughs> in a wrestling duel meet on Tuesday in Aberdeen. Paul Baltazar, Mikey Hatton, Glennie Black, Britton Turner, and Roman Tadik all won by pin for the Bobcats, while Trevin Stewart, Aiden Watkins, and Jaden Williams all won by decision. 
Felix Romero, Reed Pace, Cole Kesbew, and Gabe Pahala were the only four Montesano wrestlers to record a win at the meet. This will conclude the local sports roundup. That swimming one was a long one. You know what? Usually when there's a really long one, I break it up into two. Yeah. And I didn't do it this time. Well, I think the hard part, it wasn't that I had to read a lot. It was that I got lost in the (laughs) middle of it. Yeah. Well, you Um, you got flustered because you called Zeke Olsen Zeke Wilson. Yeah, that was weird. And then you were like, uh, uh, 27, Uh, 55, 9. So many schools, so many numbers. Yeah. Uh, Mark Morris, I don't like them. You Twitch reaction. I, you know what I do when I make a mistake? What do you I do? I blame the technology. Oh, the it darn really phone. was the phone's Gosh, fault that this it. happened. Stinking you know, phone. it is funny how I have like, I've only seen Mark Morris and R. A. Long and Kelso like randomly. Stinking monarchs and lumberjacks. And and normally, and- I'm like for the small schools, right? So I think. I if I was living down there or if I knew the teams better, I'd be like, oh, R.A. Long, that's who I want to win. Yeah, but I'm a Kelso guy. I mean, when you when you're in the Gross family, you got to be a Kelso guy. Oh, that's a Gross family. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. There's 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 Gross legends from Kelso High. It's wordplay. Gross. <laughs> Some real Gross legends out Some there. You know what I'm saying? Rumors, Ooh. by the way. Rumor has it. Rumors, Wait. by the way. Rumors, yes, we did hear some about rumors. league realignment. Yeah, which we do know. Uh, we won't take a lot of time on this, but we know that Eatonville is moving up to two A. Mm-hmm. Rochester is moving down to one A, which likely means that the one A Evergreen League will just replace Eatonville with Rochester. So there'll still just be five teams, but better for travel. That's like, true. Rochester is. A better travel place than Eatonville, even though I yeah. haven't hated the Eatonville rivalry. I think it's been kind of fun. Um, I haven't uh, had a difficult time with Eatonville fans or athletes. Yeah, Eatonville is—they were like the Forks, just in a different direction. Yeah, and not quite as far, right? Because how far is Forks? I think Forks was like two hours from Hokeham. I guess he. Yeah. Okay. So they are probably similar then. But it, they were far. Hokeham was the only school close to Eatonville. Whereas, or close to Forks. Gotcha. Whereas Eatonville, I feel like, is pretty close to Tenino. And yeah. And Monty and Elma aren't that far away. Hoquimo is just, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, league realignment's going to probably be that. There's been some discussion about what would happen with combo leagues, but I think because Tumwater ended up staying in 2A instead of in 3A, that kind of eliminates the possibility of a Shocker. 1A, 2A combo league. They somehow found a way. But there have been discussions about a 2A, 3A combo league for Evergreen because the Evergreen 2A league is left with just five teams. And I think Shelton, which is moving up to 3A, would love to stay as a part of that 2A league right. because they will not compete in much of anything right. at the 3A level. They barely do at 2A. Eatonville's an hour and 53 minutes from Hoquiam. Okay. Forks is an hour and 56 minutes from Hoquiam. Okay. So, from a Hoquiam standpoint, yeah. really doesn't matter. And I, well, From everybody else, they're yeah. like, Eatonville's way closer. Yeah. So. Sorry. The other school that's been in the mix on this that, I've, that I think is interesting is there's been discussions about Kelso being right. a part of this combo league. Very interesting. Which, it's not like Kelso is really all that far away. 
Like it's far. It's far, but it's not. But like it's you, about you the got, forks range. In right? this combo league, you would have WF West and Sh- and Centralia. Right. And and that's close to Kelso. They're pretty close to Kelso. Yeah. So it's not like geographically, it's not the craziest thing that Kelso would be a part of this league. Also, apparently from the 80s and 90s, it would be renewing an Aberdeen-Kelso rivalry. Don't forget the 70s. And the 70s, an Aberdeen-Kelso <laughs> rivalry, which I didn't even really remember at all. Like I may have known it at some point, but I didn't remember it. I've told you like five years ago. Remember when there was that random football game where Aberdeen played Kelso? Yeah. And then I think, the, was it the next year that they decided to cancel it? Yeah, maybe. Something like that. But I had told you, oh, yeah, Aberdeen and Kelso used to be like rivals. I vaguely remember that. But in fairness, I don't listen a lot when you talk. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So you probably won't remember <laughs> that I'm telling you this now. Not in five years. No. Also, uh, <laughs> Aberdeen is an hour and 37 minutes away from Kelso. Okay. So shorter trip than Hoquiam was making to Forks or Hoquiam was making to Eatonville. Yeah. Aberdeen to Kelso, only an hour and 37 minutes away. But there's still a lot of things to be determined. And yes. So it'll be interesting to see how these leagues shape up. Um, I know. So what would the combo? So you mentioned there was thought of a 1A, 2A combo league, but yeah. that seems to have been squashed. Well, because what at the teams time- would have been in that? Right. So at the time, it seemed like Tumwater may be moving up to 3A. And if we've Tumwater, thought that so many times, but if Tumwater went to three A, they would go to the South Puget Sound League, and okay. because Black Hills is in the same school district, they would probably move to the two A SPSL. So you would lose Black Hills and Tumwater potentially from the Evergreen League. Right. You already knew they were going to lose Rochester to one A, right, and Shelton to three A. So which it would leave been, them with three teams. It would have been Centralia, Chehalis. And Aberdeen. Aberdeen. So and they were thinking, drop them down into the 1A League com- Evergreen. Combo with the 1A Evergreen League. But then when Tumwater ended up coming back in the numbers as a 2A team. Shocker. And pretty comfortably as a 2A team, actually. They do it every year. The, it, and they do that all the time. Yeah. But this in this instance, the number ended up being, the, the threshold was 699. Yeah. Where when we were he- hearing early numbers, it was going to be like 645. Yep. And then it would have been really close. And Tumwater was about 640. Yep. So they would have been really close. They ended up being not that close yep. to being 3A. Because shocker, whoever yep. made the number category was like, oh, 50 more than Tumwater needs. Yeah. I know I'm a conspiracy theorist. but Well... I think that the bigger <laughs> conspiracy out of all of it is that Tumwater has an idea. And this this is based largely on what I've read on social media. And I've dove pretty deep into people's comments on this who are in that district. Right. They believe strongly that because all the athletes, and they're in the same school district, many of the athletes that are in the Black Hills area want to transfer to Tumwater. Tumwater will accept all the athletes. They don't accept all the transfers, but they'll accept all the athletes. Mm. And then when they get close to the threshold that they believe is going to be the next classification, they cut off transfers. I cannot confirm or deny whether that's true, but I can say that's what people believe. I can say very confidently. It seems like it'd be silly not to do that. I can say very confident. Well, need to transfer in. That's at the very least a moral gray area. Yep. But I can say confidently that's what people believe is happening. You know what's weird? Well, I, I, I don't know. Okay, before I get into this, I, I'll, I'll have it in front of me so I, I won't forget it. So, what is the combo 2A, 3A league 
Is it just Kelso? Because Kelso is a 3A team. And Shelton. And Shelton. Yeah. So the new league thought of right now would be a 2A, 3A Evergreen League. Yes. And it would be because Shelton's 3A and Kelso would come into it as 3A. Yes. Instead of Shelton or instead of Kelso competing with the teams down farther south of them. Correct. Which are, gosh, where is that 3A league? Because that makes sense because the most most of the 2A teams or most of the teams that I think of yes. down there. Well, R.A. Long and Mark Morris, those are, are 2A teams. Those are 2A teams. And then there's a bunch of 1A teams in that area. Castle too. Rock. La Center. Kalama's even smaller than that. Yeah. So they must have to just go down to Vancouver. Yeah. And, okay, so that makes sense that they'd be like, hey, we're having to travel all the way to Vancouver, which isn't short. It's not a long trip, Hmm. but it's not a short trip. And we're playing all these 3A teams who are large city center teams. Yeah. Or we can play teams that are more like us a little bit, come up north Beat up in Shelton, who somehow is bigger than everybody, and we'll call it the Kelso Aberdeen rivalry. Let's call it the Mike Gross rivalry. I wonder if it had a name. The Mike Gross rivalry. I don't know if it had a name. They're both blue and yellow. It's my least favorite thing about Kelso. (laughs) (laughs) Aberdeen people would tell you they're blue and gold, but that's a lie. Yeah, it is. I almost said that when Daniel said blue and yellow, and I was like, nope, they'll make fun of me. It's not gold. (laughs) It's not gold. It's mustard yellow. There's some weird things when you look at the the list. Yeah. The biggest – the first thing that jumps out of you is the number of schools in each classification. Yeah. Um. In 4A, there's 60 schools. Right. In 3A, there's 73. 2A, there's 63. 1A, there's 53. 2B, there's 54. Those are all fairly similar. In 1B, there's 105. Yeah. There's a lot of small towns. A lot of... And I feel like they're just getting smaller. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of our small towns that have been 1A, 2B are now down under this 104 student area. And they're finding themselves either dropping down into 1B or making combo teams. And it's just very weird that the number of schools in that 1B ranking just continues to explode, it seems like. Whereas on the other side, it's not like you see the 4A schools. You know, it's not like you see population centers getting bigger. You don't see more schools in the 4A range. It's just more schools in the 1B range. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Well, and they, it seems weird. The WIAA addressed the... What they wanted to do was balance out 3A and 4A. Because 3A has been a, a good bit bigger. Okay. And still and is. And it results in... Their, it's still the second largest. Yeah. It results in the 3A playoff system actually having to be different because they have 20 teams instead of 16. And they wanted to balance it out. But they addressed that by saying, we looked at it and we tried to figure it out and we felt like we were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole hmm. and decided that we needed to just go with what we had. Interesting. But they didn't really talk, from what I heard, they didn't really talk about the 1B schools. And to be honest, I don't really know how many 1B schools were in the classification before. Right. Yeah, I don't know either. It's just so interesting when you look at the competitive balance of things, how it works out. I do know... That as we've talked before about Aberdeen and how they should move down to 1A, Toppenish is going back up to 2A this year. Okay. But 
Toppenish had Toppenish competed in the one A classification the previous cycle, and their enrollment is about forty five students on average higher than Aberdeen's. So right. if Toppenish had the ability to move down to one A in the previous cycle, right? Why couldn't Aberdeen have moved down to one A in the previous cycle? Yeah, which I think reinforces kind of what we've been saying is like, hey, I'm not sure if this is true, but if you could do it. Why don't you do it? Exactly. Toppenish. And, so, and an Evergreen 1A league with Aberdeen in it is perfect. If your league was Montesano, Elma, Hoquiam, Tenino, Rochester, Aberdeen. Perfect. Dream league. Yes. Absolutely. And how much league. money would Aberdeen save in on tra- travel? Exactly. So much money. Crazy amounts. So as we look at it, uh, let's make sure I'm looking at the right number here. So we have average enrollment. What's the direct cert percentage? Do you know what that number means on that chart you sent us a while ago? I I, I don't. And then know we have on the top of my head. Is it ADJ enrollment? What is AD adjusted? Probably adjusted enrollment. Yeah. So that's probably go. telling you like, hey, with the free and reduced meals, what's their adjusted enrollment? Right. So what that's, classification would they fit in with that? Right. Okay. Which is so, what we've been ab- advocating for Aberdeen to do. Exactly. So you look at. Toppenish yeah. here in 2A. Their average enrollment is 743. Yeah, and I think Aberdeen's like 695. 696. 696, okay. And yet, when you look at this classification thing, Toppenish is listed way lower than Aberdeen. Yeah. Because then you go over to the adjusted, and Toppenish works out to 490. Yeah. And that's and Aberdeen works to out to five eighty five. Yes. How does that work? And how and like anybody actually who knows the area that Aberdeen is, like how is well, how are they not getting like a much higher? Well, I don't what know. we've been told it just seems weird. What we've been told, and again, I'll I'll this use just, this disclaimer every time. Yes. I don't know. Yep. This is not from an official source. This is from local scuttlebutt. Right. But. People in the community have said, hey, there's so many kids on free and reduced lunch that the school district said, eh, everybody's on free and reduced lunch. Yep. And if your percentage was that high, you would have a significantly impacted adjusted enrollment. Yep. And that if you went through the process of actually going through to all the parents and forcing them to fill out the forms to get free and reduced lunch, you could have a percentage. Yep. You could reduce... And and jump into jump down to the one A classification, but they do get something out of it. Yeah, but they, I th- they do get the point. They're listed at point five when it comes. What's that number? Is that fifty percent? Like, so are we saying adjusted? 50? So there's the adjusted or the direct cert percentage. I don't know. I won't pretend I know exactly what that means. Yeah, but I, I do know, know that of a. Section of the community believes yeah. that if the school district went through the process of making parents fill out the forms needed or even whatever they would need to do to verify how many kids need free and reduced lunch, they would have a high enough percentage to drop down to the 1A classification. Right. And the school district doesn't want to do it for a couple reasons. One is because it would be a massive effort, and two, because they're concerned that. If, even if we tell all these parents, hey, you have to fill this out for your kid to get free lunch, 
they won't do it. Yeah. And, and then, then you'll just they, have kids going hungry. Exactly. So like there's a side of it that I get. Yes. Absolutely. That so. that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um Deer Park. Many Montesano fans will be happy that Ooh. they're gonna be up in two A. Triggered by Deer Park. Yeah. Uh Hawkinson, who triggers me, they will remain a classification higher than Hoquiam. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> Eatonville is gonna be one of the smallest teams. Yeah, in that's 2A. a tough one for Eatonville because it they is. had they had a, a run of a couple years <laughs> where they were extremely competitive in a lot of sports, including football. Dude, and right now they're not in a super great spot athletically. Dude, Archbishop Murphy yeah. is two A. Yeah, and they opt up to yes, play they opt in. Up. Yes. They opt up to play in. 2A. A lot of private schools opt up. That's true, and I think they should be required to opt up at least one league. That's would not be opting. Well, there's a lot. True. There's a fair amount of private schools in the one B ranks, though, that are really bad. Did you Exhibit know a three Rivers Christian? That's true. Which is one better than two Rivers Christian. Thirty three percent better than two Rivers Christian. <laughs> did you know that Stevenson opts up? I I did know that because I saw that. But I thought that was weird because right? they didn't even play a full 1A schedule. I don't know what the reason is for that. They didn't even play a full 1A schedule yeah. in football last year. So Stevenson, Charles Wright's private. That makes sense. Where did, what was the other team in there? Seton Catholic. So much of that Trico League is opt-up teams. Kingsway. Well, like Kingsway or, or, and or Seton, Seton Catholic, Catholic makes sense. That's a private, private school. school. But Stevenson, Stevenson is not. That's yeah. just a town. They're just a tiny school. I don't know why they opt up. If, if it's just strictly a travel thing, like they say, you know what it might there's be? not enough 2B schools near where we are. We'll opt up to 1A Bruh, and you know play what it a might be? schedule. Have you seen that 2B league? No. Is that the one with Kalama? And- that might be a worse league for them to be in than 1A. <laughs> but they play a lot of those schools, though. That's true. And they get hammered by them. Because, yeah. like, that's Napa Vine. Like, yeah. do you want to go get smoked by Napa Vine? Or do you want to get smoked by Kingsway Christian? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know, But man. I was shocked when I saw the... 2B boys basketball rankings and Napa Vine was not number one. Whoa. Because they've been rolling through everybody, including schools from higher class. You know what you know what else is weird to me? Hoquiam is now smaller than Montesano. By by enroll by school enrollment. Yes. Because the town of Hoquiam is pretty significantly larger by population than Montesano. But by school enrollment. What does that tell you? If the town is significantly larger. A lot of kids coming from Central Park. A lot of kids coming from Elma and Central Park. Because they're 342 average enrollment and Hoke Williams is 333. Yeah. And like you said, Hoke Williams is a significantly larger town. Yeah. So that that startled me when I was like, because it's always been like, oh, Monty's that smaller school, but they're really good. And now it's like, no, no. They're a bigger school, and they're fat in the middle. They're of, right in the middle. Of they're one right a. in the middle, right and smack down and Hoquiam's towards the smaller end of one A. You know what one? And that's me what off start. Guard. That's what's worrying me. Honestly, is like how much longer is Hoquiam going to be in one A? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know what caught me off guard when I was looking at the enrollment numbers? What's that? Royal. Royal. Which, speaking of smack dab, they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in the middle of nowhere. They're on the borderline of the the biggest schools in 1A. Yeah. 
How? How? Because when I when we went there for football and my, and I was like, how does Royal have all these great schools? And my son was like, maybe they draw from neighboring towns. And I was like, what neighboring towns? What neighboring we towns? We drove half an hour before we got here and didn't see anything but farmland. Yes. There's nothing around there. Royal is almost as big as Blaine, for Pete's sake. They're just... Blaine used to be a 3A school. It's like, you know, like when uh, I heard an interview with Jason Ronquillo, former Hoquiam coach, right. now the head football coach at Yelm, right. where he was saying something along the lines of, when you become a school that people want to go to, right? people come to you. That's crazy. And well, I think that's kind big. of where Royal is, is yeah. that people are like, hey, that's a good football school. We have a good football player. Let's go there. So crazy. And then there's a bunch of all reds, which is annoying as heck. All reds. It's crazy. I think you should read the goals update. Sure. Oh, right. We still have a goals update. It's a long update. I'm still now I'm looking for Kelso though. Where's Kelso at in the middle of this? Are they on the smaller end? Yeah, so Kelso's on the smaller end of three A now. That makes sense. They're at a thousand fifty seven and the cutoff is around, was it 900 or something like that? Okay. Anyway, I'll read that goals update now that I got from Coach Eddie as I'm pulling it up on my phone. Here we go. Okay. First, their girls G07 team made their season debut. They were on the road in Seattle to take on Emerald City FC. The goals without some key players fell short 2-5. to five. They look to bounce back at home next week. Um, the G05 girls U19 team played in their third match of the season as they hosted Liverpool, Liverpool FC IFC Washington. The girls played pro ball as they controlled the majority of the game. After going up 2-0 in the first seven minutes, they knew it was going to be a good day. Yeah, 2-0 in first seven. That's uh, definitely good. They communicated well, stuck to their training, and had moments of brilliance where they connected on just under 20 consecutive passes. <laughs> they had Liverpool chasing them around. That's nuts. This is something they work on consistently, and it was awesome to see it come to life in a game. Going into the half, it was still 2-0, and uh, they had to be reminded that it was not a secure score. And while dominating possession is nice, they needed to score a couple more. Quick rewind. First half goals were from Bristol Toll. She is real. And playing on that U19 team as a freshman, that's ridiculous. And Ada Potts were the goal scorers in the first half. Bristol's was off a corner kick from Bethany Henderson, and it appears that Bristol was running toward the ball. And as it was coming down, she jumped up to back heel deflected in. What? <laughs> get out of here. He's trying to get clarification on that. It happened so fast, and the video is a bit hard to see exactly. In the second half, Liverpool was on the attack the first 10 minutes, and then the goals ladies recovered. Jemima Perez drew a PK where she did some sort of Jet Lee Jackie Chan flip on the end line to head the ball back into play, but there was contact with an opposing defender, so a PK was awarded. Bethany Henderson stepped up and converted it. Soon after that, Chloe Dietrich had uh, up on the edge of the 18 and she gained control of a loose ball popped it up 
and front foot volleyed over the keeper's fingertips into the far post upper and uh, just a beautiful shot. Um, goals coming from Bristol Toll out of Potts, Bethany Henderson, and Chloe Dietrich. Assists from Bethany Henderson and Jemima Perez. Shutout awarded to Emmy Spencer, shocker, along with and some amazing defense from Marina Marl. Oh, that's a name that I recognize. Uh, Esmeralda Vega, Diana Guzman, and Drea Merez. Uh, this match keeps the girls on top of the league table with a perfect 3-0-0 record. They have now scored 13 goals on the season and have allowed just two. They still remain unbeaten the past two seasons, two seasons with a record of 11-0-2 and 37 goals for and just eight against. Rough estimate math says that is three goals per game scored and... Nice try. Better luck next week scoring against us. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> coach Eddie says, the last part is just proud, proud coach bragging. I love that he's proud of his kids there. Uh, he says, these girls love to play hot sun, cold fog, freezing rain, hail, snow. When others are at home making excuses, you can find these kids at Stewart Field. I love that uh, GO5 team, that the girls uh, U19 team. There's a ton of studs on that team. Mm-hmm. Definitely a ton of names that we know. Yeah. Um, now we move on. He says, now we move on to the insanity. Whoa, the, that wasn't the insanity? Right. The Gulls bo- Boys 05 team, the BO5 team, they literally dominated roughly 90% of the game. He'll be fair. Maybe he'll say 85%. They took on Mount Rainier FC first game of the season, and they won 3-0. Second game, 0-0 tie. That didn't sit well with a team that is used to winning, and this game, they wanted to make a statement. Yesterday, they played for themselves. They played for the Doubters. They played for Grace Harbor, but mostly for the league and anyone who needs to know that Grace Harbor is tired of being overlooked, and they produce top-level athletes. The boys were pass and move, pass and move, and they had Mount Rainier not knowing what was going on. It didn't look fair at times and sometimes the way the ball rolls scoring got started as early as Alan Avalos received a beautiful cross from Elmer Torres to start them off he'll say this you have to have a time limit on your show (laughs) I can only type as much as you can read so let's hit the highlights and cut it to the end today they gave two of their young gun 14 year old players considerable amount of time Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez and Ricky Granados, those kids stole the show. They linked up on a number of plays together, even alone played incredible, and their hard work paid off with Ricky scoring a beautiful breakaway goal and Yvonne with an insane cross to earn an assist as they led the BO5 to a 9-2 to win <laughs> over Mount Rainier. They weren't alone, as he mentioned above. They stole the show. Well, there's uh, another player to add to that list. Elmer Torres dominated with... Oh, this is a crazy stat line. Elmer Torres dominated with four goals and three assists. That's... What is crazy is not only was he this dominant, but he was snubbed out, subbed out for injury twice. Nothing major, major, just bumps, and had a total of four subs on the evening. Imagine if he had played the full 90. Goals from this game. Elmer Torres, four. Alan Avalos, Juan Serrano, Ricky Granados, Edgar Sea. And Colby Mendoza assists from Elmer Torres three, Julian Garcia, Gio Castillo, Ivan Padrodriguez, 
Hank Dolman, 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 thank you, and goalie (laughs) (laughs) Hannah with the assist as usual, and goalie Antonio Granados, who blasted one deep that Elmer Torres ran onto and finished the work. That's crazy. A goalie got an assist. Coach Eddie says what he is so proud of with these nine goals were six different goal scorers, five of those guys on the assist list, not did not score goals. Oh, that's cool. So a lot of the guys who had the assist didn't score. That makes this team very dangerous. Where other teams may have that one or two guys that can be shut down. You can't prepare. You don't know where the goals are coming from. The BO5 is 2-0-1 to start the season with 12 goals for and two allowed. Uh, they have said it before and will continue to say it. The league has been put on notice. Grace Harbor athletes are for real. They deserve the respect they earn. His nomination for Athlete of the Week, shocker, Elmer Torres, with four goals, three assists, and a winning smile. Whew! That gets me so ja- I've got goosebumps right now. Yeah. Just the energy and excitement and the how proud he is of saying, hey, this league's put on notice. Grace Harbor has athletes, and we are tired of being overlooked. We're coming for you, and we want to dominate your face. Agreed. Oh, how do you spell Dolman? I don't know, but I didn't. It's not how I tried to pronounce it. What I tried to say, I don't Dolman. know. What it, I tried to say Dolman. That's not how it's spelled. It's D O E L M A N. I think that was terrible. Dolman. Dolman. I like it. I I got a little dyslexic there for a we second. We got a little. Uh, we got a short message from Coach Daniel. Wow. From the goals as well. That was so cool. Um, he nominated obviously Elmer Torres. Yeah. Four goals and three assists. One in game one game is pretty bonkers. He says, "I almost went glory days moment for a second there." Go ahead, do it. No, I don't want to take I, anything away from Elmer Torres. You think that your story is going to take away from this Elmer Torres game? No. Okay. Because mine was in a shabby little rec league game where I had three goals and three assists. Wow, that's one. Less that's than, one less one than less Elmer, than. Elmer Torres. Yes. Elmer a- Andrew's not on it. He didn't even play the glory days. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm distracted. Coach Daniel said... What are you watching over there? Is it Lions Niners? It's Lions Niners and a black and white video from 19... Did that say 1926? Yeah. I, uh, Dude, Andrew I got, cares zero about our show right now. I, I got distracted watching football clips from the 20s in Grace Harbor. Oh, I've nice. Got a bunch of, there's a bunch of clips of people playing in Emerson Field. Before I was born, that's actually boring. pretty cool. I want to watch that when we're done. Don't lose those. I don't want to watch anything that happened before I was born. Okay. So anyway, uh, Elmer Torres, Torres was, is amazing. Coach Daniel says Elmer was completely dominant, finishing off so many of the key passes in the match, but he has so much to say about the game. Um, he says they were more technically skilled than the other team, better passers of the ball, faster, stronger, and simply looked on a different level. Yeah. Elmer made a statement <laughs> And our men's team has a potential upcoming player on their hands again uh, from one of Coach Eddie's teams. Wow. His other nomination. That's so cool. I'm so excited. This is from Coach Daniel. His other nomination would be Marina Marl for her defensive work in the 4-0 win over Liverpool for the girls' BO5 team, or the GO5 team. Um, She was able not only to recover several one-on-one situations where the ball burst through the defense, and the keeper versus their attacker, and Marina would step up a gear, get back, and move forward from there, beating players and playing it up. 
She had a calming presence, and it felt that with her on the field, Liverpool was never going to score. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. To say, to say that about a defensive player who isn't your goalkeeper, yeah. like, I felt like when she was out there, they were never going to score. That says a lot. Yeah, it's huge. So good job by the goals. Um, Daniel, I would like to get to the next thing on the show sheet, which is an Aberdeen Hoquiam basketball recap. So what can you tell us about that game that we haven't discussed already? Gosh, that we haven't discussed already. This game felt like it was going to go down to the wire from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like the first matchup between these two teams, which went to overtime. Exactly. Just it felt like the atmosphere felt like it was going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And I got to say the part of it, I think might have been a little bit the added crowd because it was a full-on Myrtle Street crowd. Yeah. Plus the fact that Hoquiam's 2004 state championship team was in the building to be honored for the 20-year anniversary of that state title, which creeps me out that it's been 20 years because I was a freshman as they were winning the state title. Yeah, you're old. Yeah, so yeah. I'm old. Yeah, um, these guys are older. Thankfully, they're still <laughs> older than me. Um, it was really cool to see all the guys there again. See them come out, be honored for that. But that meant a little bit of an added crowd, even if it was just the like extra 15 people in them who had to travel from out of town who aren't normally at the games. But anyway, it was really cool to see that. So the atmosphere was electric. There's so many people in the house. I, I mentioned that the the upper level of the opposite side of the floor had to be opened up, which isn't normal anymore. Um, and then the beginning, it starts out with Aberdeen up 20 to 17 after half. So the offenses are doing work in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're on, if you score 20 a quarter, you're on pace for 80. Yeah. So the offenses came out kind of hot and it was Baylor buckets came out firing from the beginning. He had, uh, math in my head he had he only had seven in the first half but it felt like the types of points that he was scoring he was going to have a good night and then isaac garcia had two triples in the first half and jacob cusada had a three so it just felt like this kind of like it was a very balanced quarter for aberdeen but they looked hot and then on the other side it was chris bryson who was keeping hoquiam in it he had eight of their 17 points in the first quarter um, I think two or three of those were on assists from Lincoln Nemi, where it just felt like he was getting absolutely pestered and then found a way to get in the lane and dish off a pass to Chris, and he was able to convert it in the lane. So really, Chris Bryson kept Hoquiam afloat in the first quarter. They also got points from Aiden Butcher and Xander Jump. And then in the second quarter, it really felt like Aberdeen kind of had control of it, but it was still close. The whole way into the second quarter, Ainsworth had kind of a slow quarter. He only had three points in that quarter. It felt like Hoquiam had kind of figured him out a little bit on defense. And then right at the end of the quarter, Hoquiam just went on this weird run of like eight to ten points, including two threes on the last two possessions by Lincoln Nemi, where he went from having six points and kind of a rough, really rough night with only one field goal, and he was four for nine from the free throw line in the first half, and you're like, oh, if if Lincoln's playing like this, it's not going to be a good night. And then all of a sudden, literally 30 seconds, three-point bucket, 
they get a steal, three point bucket, they end the half leading thirty four to thirty one, and you're like, oh, now he's got twelve points, and it feels like he's feeling it. And the entire momentum of the game just changed, and really they rode that the rest of the way. I mean, the crazy part of it this game though was the third quarter because both teams had excellent third quarters. Hoquiam put up 22 in the third. Aberdeen put up 19. And 16 of those points were from Baylor Ainsworth. Baylor Buckets just came out to absolutely dominate in the third quarter. He was ridiculous. He had uh, only one three in that quarter, but he had five two-point field goals and three free throws where he was getting into the lane. He was grinding. He was getting the tough shots. He was putting up jumpers, floaters. He stepped out for that one three-pointer. And it just looked like whatever he put up would go in. I talked to uh, Coach Nimi recently, and he was like, yeah, when I saw Baylor put up that like falling away left-handed floater in the lane with two people on him and it went in, I was like, oh, maybe we won't win this game. Because if you're playing to somebody who's that hot, you kind of get this feeling like, holy crap, how do we keep up with this kid? And Baylor was just on another level. So it was impressive to watch. But on the other side, Lincoln had his best quarter as well as he put up, let's see, 8, 10, 12. He had 13 points in that quarter as well. So, And again, it was it was kind of streaky because he, he put in some – you've seen Lincoln play. Mm-hmm. He can score. That's the cool thing about our scorers in the area right now is they're, they're, they're not one-dimensional. When you talk about Baylor Ainsworth, when you talk about Lincoln Nemi, when you talk about DeLon Chan, when you talk about Kaysen Seberg – or Traden Carter, these kids aren't one-dimensional. They score from all levels, it feels like. And that's the fun part about this game at, between Baylor Ainsworth and Lincoln Nemi is it wasn't just a kid hoisting threes and getting hot from the outside. They were grinding for points inside. They were stepping out and hitting points on the outside. And it was so much fun to watch the different ways that people score. And it really reminded me of the game that we broadcast together with Delon Chan, where mm-hmm. you couldn't stop saying that he scored in a different way every time. That's yeah. what it felt like, and that's it's bucket getter material is what it is. You score on all three levels. The only thing that these kids need to have is consistency to be bucket getters, yeah. because they score on every level, and it's so much stinking fun to watch. Hoquiam ended up pulling away a little bit at the end, but you were Hoquiam fans were holding their breath like. When's Baylor going to hit a couple of shots and then all of a sudden it's a one-possession game? That never quite happened, and the final score was actually a little closer than the end of the game uh, felt because Cusada hit a three with like a second left to make it a four-point game instead of a seven-point game. But as Hoquiam fans and Aberdeen fans are watching that, that three could have happened... 10 seconds earlier and all of a sudden the whole end of the game changes right so it was it was just back and forth brilliant scoring effort on defense xander jump i mentioned his rebounds in my little post about the game afterwards because it was apparent that hoquiam needed every single one of them Mm -hmm. and he was the kid that was going to get him uh chris bryson had at least four blocks on the night massive massive blocks trying to secure the paint which really Aberdeen had the size advantage in a couple of different ways so it was it was a team effort all the way around for both teams 
And I mean, you also watch, it's really weird to think that Lincoln Nimi scored 30 points in this game. And yet I would still say that Zanto Rea plays um, impeccable defense. And yet that's how I felt because he, the amount of effort and pestering that he puts on Lincoln Nimi was just impressive. Like I couldn't take my eyes off of him with the work that he was putting in. And then like the amount of hand, like he gets his hand on the ball all the time, pokes it away, passes, rebounds. It's just it, the impact that Zanto Rea puts on a game where he scores two points is worth way more than two points. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's, there's kids that I could highlight up and down on, on this um, game. Um, Cusada had seven, Rea with two, Isaac Garcia had a couple of moments where it felt like he was a big impact. Manny Garcia, as always, Charlie Ansich, um, Grady Springer put in some good defensive minutes for him. Patrick Walsh did some good things too, but I mean, Baylor buckets was on full display on the losing effort of this game. It's not often that you see a kid put up 33 and you feel like he's the best kid on the floor that night and they lose. Yeah. But that's what happened. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I've been watching Baylor play basketball since junior high and you know, he's always had that capability where he gets hot and it feels like every shot's going to drop. Yeah. Um, But he's obviously worked on his game and advanced his game if he's gotten to this point where he's hitting contested shots, he's scoring at all levels. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of thing that earns you nicknames a nickname like Baylor Buckets. And you know, we know about Lincoln Nemi. Yeah. You know, he came into his freshman season with a lot of hype. Right. So it shouldn't feel shocking that he scores 30 points in right. a game. You almost expect it. You almost expect like if he's not in the 20s that something weird happened yeah. like they ran a box and won the whole game and he dished to his teammates or what pressure to put on a freshman it's pretty crazy right and yeah. that and that's why like i started keeping track of his assists early in the game because in the first quarter he had three assists yeah and then i lost track after that but it was noticeable to me that he wasn't going to try and force things up early in the game as he gets going he gets a little bit in the volume shooter type but when you end up at 30, you know, you're fine. And you win. <laughs> and you win. Like, you score 30 and you win. <laughs> you're fine with you're, a you're little good. bit of a volume approach. You're good. Especially what what he end up with, six assists? Is that what, what the write-up said? I think so, yeah. So, yeah, you're you're okay with that. Well, he, he draws a lot of attention when he drives into the lane. And I noticed this when he played against Monty, too. Like, when he gets into the lane... right the help comes and the help leaves whatever player is there. And Lincoln's pretty good at finding that guy. Yep. You know, it doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't dribble into trouble, but it does mean that when he's in that scenario and he gets downhill towards the basket, he's pretty good at making the right play. Right. Um, But with Baylor, I think it's just, it's exciting to see him put it together and be able to come out with a performance like that. It stinks. That was in a loss. Yeah. But you know, for for the rest of his life, he's gonna he's gonna be able to say that in a Myrtle Street rivalry game, he scored thirty three points, exactly, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's legit. Yeah, it's so much fun. Um, it's fun when these rivalry games are close and they're yeah. battles. And again, it's just been 
I mean, the night of basketball that was, because you were, I was watching that game, broadcasting that game, and then like trying to check my phone for the updates you were sending me about I was, Monty, I was Monty Elma game. Stress texting you at that point. Yeah, <laughs> like there was a, there got to a point in the game where is there a gym in the Evergreen One A that is harder to play in? Just a, just from the straight gym factor than Elma? No, I don't think so. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough place. It's dark. It's dark and intimate. Like, yeah. The crowd is right on top of on you. On your face. And on the baseline, even. Yeah. Depending on which direction you're going. Seriously. Like, you, you're you dealing with crowd. And it was so... It's because it's such a small, intimate setting. It was so loud. Yeah. And like you said, 20-year anniversary of the state title for Hoquiam. Right. They were honoring what... Uh, Mathematically, I had deducted was the 80th anniversary of the 1964 uh, team, which actually is 60 years. Yeah, um, <laughs> and for the whole great. for the whole week, I was saying, "Man, these people pod. who are coming here are going to be in their 90s because they play <laughs> won a state title 80 years ago." And then I got to the C Squad game, and the guy who was running the scoreboard was actually like, uh, "No, these people are in their 70s." He was very delicate about it, but in my mind, I was like, "Oh." You're dumb. You don't know the difference between sixty Justin's and it's like I'm from money. I did some money math. I did some money math and figured it out. But anyway, regardless, they were honoring a state title team nice. from the sixties. And that led to a larger crowd. It was senior night for Elma. That led to oh, a larger man. crowd. Yeah. And on top of that, it's the Monty Elma rivalry game, and it was a significant game. In the league standings, huge with an Elma team that has very high expectations. Yep, it was packed. Like standing room only means that in the ble- if you were a single like one person and you wanted to find a spot in the bleachers, you probably could have found one spot. Maybe, but if you walked in with two people together, there was no spot in the stands. Standing room only. Yeah, and it was so loud. Both student sections were crazy. <laughs> The Montesano student section, which was like a blackout theme, I looked over at one point in the fourth quarter at my guy Tyler Johansson. <laughs> and you know how intense Tyler Johansson gets. Yes. The look on his face as he was chanting whatever the student section was chanting yeah. was like he was going to murder someone. <laughs> he had a crazy look in his eyes. Yeah. And I talked to him after the game. I was like, Tyler, you were worrying me. Like, you looked crazy. Yeah. And he was like, I was just really into it. <laughs> but it was so cool. Like yeah. the student sections were into it. They're yep. like right across the this little the, the little diagonal baseline. They're right across that from each other. Yeah, uh, it was really fun. It was super loud, and quite frankly, it was really fun because Montesano won. Um, <laughs> Shocker! But if you look at the way this game started, it was ten to seven Monty after one quarter. It was twenty nine to twenty four Monty after at halftime. Right. So that's not a ton of scoring. No. That's a fairly low-scoring game. Yep. Third quarter, Elma makes a pretty good run, um, especially right at the end of the third quarter. They take a four-point lead. They carry a 42-38 to point lead into the fourth quarter. And then Monty explodes for 31 points in the fourth frame. That's crazy. After scoring 38 in the first three and playing good defense on yeah. what's a very talented Elma team with multiple offensive weapons that can hurt you. Yep. But I think, you know, we talked about in the in the local sports roundup, the balanced attack. You know, Camden Taylor led Monty with 16 points. They had four guys that were between 12 and 16. 
because Delon Chan was the fourth leading scorer at 12. Yeah. And this is the first time this season, I'm pretty sure, that Camden has led the team in scoring. And yet, as a freshman, I would say that I would expect him as a senior to be leading the team in scoring. Exactly. Because he has yeah, that because, in there, and he showed it as a young player. Well, he, the, But if you told me now that Camden led the team in scoring, I'd be like, didn't have that on my bingo card. Right. And yeah. well, the thing the thing is with Camden is he's got he's so capable. Yeah. He just lacks consistency on inside shooting. Right. And in this game, contested, uncontested, whichever side of the basket, whichever hand he was shooting, he was converting on opportunities. Nice. And the other guy I would really highlight in this in this game was Jackson Wilson. Yeah. Um, I know I told you off air, he shot two three-pointers in the game. Neither of them even touched the rim. Yeah. Just cashed them both. Yep. Spread it out. Like I think one was in the first quarter and one was in the third, I think. And then in the fourth quarter, when they were rolling, he had a couple of transition buckets, contested transition buckets, where it's a one-on-one scenario, and he's going up against a, a solid Elma Eagle defender, and he finds a way to get the ball in the hoop. And... If you go back a couple weeks to when Monty is losing to Elma and Monty is losing to Hoquiam, those are the situations they're not converting. Right. And now in those situations where they were failing to make a play, guys were making a play. And they were making a play 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. Which is why you see that Monty ends up winning this game by 10 points, which 10 points is not a ton, but it still makes it look like a like a larger, like less of a close game than it was. Right. This game was so close. And with 47 seconds left, and I think a seven point lead, I did not feel safe because of how fast the fourth quarter went. Right. So it was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, I would, I would commend, uh, case and Seberg and trade and Carter for how hard they fought in the fourth quarter. Um, both of them made a three pointer in the fourth quarter, in a scenario where I was like, this game's about to get out of control. And then you got Traden Carter come and just stick a three pointer right in somebody's face. Right. And you get Case and Seberg from the wing, stick a three pointer right in somebody's face, which kept it, you know, to the point where like, okay, this is still a game. Right. Um, so I would commend those guys a lot for their efforts there. But for Monty, it was just uh, too much late in the game offensively. They just had too many guys who were making plays. Such a fun night of basketball. It was. It's been a fun, fun year so far, especially Evergreen 1A. Yeah. It's been a blast. And then with the Aberdeen Hoquiam and even the Aberdeen Monty matchup. Yeah. It's a fun game, too. That was a fun game. It's always a fun game when Monty wins. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, we've gone through a lot of local sports here re- recently. Um, we've got a Spivey Athlete of the Week to name. Yeah. It's going to be tough, as always. Yeah. I love that it's tough, as always. I'm leaning between two different players, mm. and I'm not sure where what's going to happen. I don't know where you're leaning. I don't know if Andrew's going to wild card it and throw something random into the mix. Oh, he loves doing that. But, uh, oh, I need to filibuster for a couple of seconds because we need to take a commercial break. And as per usual, I forget <laughs> that I am said commercial break. But we are going to take a commercial break and be back to name our Spively, Spivey Athlete of the Week. Spively? Spively. Lively Spively. Uh, Spivey Lively, right after this. Spivey Realty Group's goal is to make buying, selling, and investing, renting real estate in Grace Harbor simple. 
They believe in 100% transparency and unparalleled communication with local expertise, tech-enhanced, and top-notched service for their friends, neighbors, and community. Their goal is simple. Get a group of strong-willed, hard-working people together who want to make a difference in Grace Harbor and to use real estate as the means of achieving that. Voted Grace Harbor's best real estate company. Find them on Facebook or visit graceharborrealestate.com. Spivey Realty Group, elevating small town real estate. Thanks again to our sponsors, Spivey Realty Group and the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. No relation. No relation. What's the A stand for? Mm. And what's what's the P what's the J stand for? Mm. Is it J? Oh. Huh? Mm? Huh? Oh. You're wearing a Hawaii shirt. Yeah. Any Hawaiian standouts coming up? Jackson uh, Wilson. Oh, there we go. Is he nominated for an athlete of the week? <laughs> he should be. He was he was close. You were mentioning yeah. him earlier. If I had to pick from that game two athlete of the week nominees, it would be Camden and Jackson. Gotcha. Those two guys really stood out to me and like there like I said, there were contributions like crazy. I think Peyton, my son Peyton Domashevitz, no relation, uh, played a <laughs> phenomenal defensive game. I think Tice Peterson played a great all around game. There was a ton of contributions. Um, but Jackson's impact was huge. Camden as the leading scorer and feeling like he was coming through on every scenario they needed him to offensively was a big deal. So I would pick those two guys. Well, now down to our official nom- nominations, yeah. which I noticed that Jackson is not on there. Well, it's, so do you I want just, to officially give Jackson a nomination? Yeah, he's on there. Okay. Just look better. Oh, well, as you're literally typing it in right now. No. It was there the whole time. You're typing it. I'm watching you type it in. It's your word against mine. <laughs> you can't see his screen. People will trust I'm me. I'm watching it on my screen. Type Just in. Just like earlier in the roundup when there was an obvious typo in there, and then after you had already said it, Andrew fixed it. I watched, I watched him fix it. <laughs> I figured it couldn't hurt. Revisionist yeah. history. Yeah. If only we had an editor that would read the copy. So our nominations are Camden Taylor for Montesano basketball, Jackson Wilson for Monty Hoops, which apparently is different. It was quicker to type. Lincoln Nimi Hoquiam basketball, Baylor Ainsworth Aberdeen basketball with 56 points on the week. Anna Davis, Ocosta basketball, Tyson Portman, Willapaw Valley wrestling hit 100 wins. Wow. 100 wins this point of the season that's impressive uh last week in winning his weight class at raymond's wrestling tournament and i gotta say i mean one of my favorite teachers had the same last name i believe they're related anyway elmer torres goals and marina marl goals as well elmer torres by the way with those four goals and three assists Wow, I I hadn't got to the Tyson Portman thing yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. What are your thoughts, Gabe Bodwell? No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so there's there's a few different really important points we need to make here. I have three thoughts. One is Lincoln and Baylor were both amazing. Yes, Lincoln's team won the game. Right. Anna Davis for Acosta basketball had a triple double, mm-hmm. which With included steals. 10 steals, <laughs> steals and over 30 points. What are we going to do? Tyson Portman hit a threshold 
in wrestling that is rare. Very rare. Where a couple of the best wrestlers we've ever covered... Hit it in the state. Hit it in their senior year. One of them was Cole Eckerson. He hit it very late in the season. Yeah. Mateo Sanchez hit it literally in the state title match. Yeah. So for Tyson Portman to hit it during his senior year yeah. before you even get to postseason is pretty amazing. Yep. And Elmer Torres had four goals and three assists <laughs> in one game. In one game. Where they had nine goals. Like it's better than Daniel Hargrove. Yeah. <laughs> Better than me in a slop game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those are the clarifications. So what do you want to do? I have no clue. Uh, I think as much as it pains me to say, I think because Baylor, I mentioned, had 56 points Yeah. on the week. Right. Because he had another 23. Yeah. And that was in a win. Yeah, but they lost the rivalry game. Right. Obviously because of him. No fault of his own. (laughs) Anna Davis, triple-dub with 10 steals. Yeah. Question. Was that against the Hoke Williams JV, though? Yeah. So here's the the thing that I would say about that. So they played Hoke Williams JV. Yeah. Anna Davis is a sophomore. Okay. And the second leading scorer on that Acosta team is an eighth grader. Yeah. So, like, age-wise, it, it kind of makes sense Yeah. that they would play Hoke Williams, JV. Yeah. And then, you know, Tyson Portman. Tyson Portman. And, and then Elmer Torres. And Elmer Torres. Yeah. This is hard. I was leaning Elmer Torres before okay. I saw 100 wins. Yeah. What do we do there? I was leaning um, Tyson Portman from the start, if I'm being honest. It makes sense. Um, Because that is a threshold we don't see very often. Yeah. And um, I love being able to give the wrestlers some love since I've already made myself an enemy of that community. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) So I, I lean that direction. I think what... It's such a crappy thing that in my mind I went, wow, Baylor had an amazing game, but he can't be an athlete of the week. They lost. <laughs> Isn't that biz- but, bizarre? But it's where I landed. Yeah. And it's not fair. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Baylor. Yeah, sorry, Baylor Buckets. <laughs> or as I started, just I just started calling you Buckets. Yeah. I was like, I literally said at one point during the radio call, yeah. Buckets with the ball. <laughs> like, and then he nailed a shot, and I was like, Buckets! And I'm also not saying this is right, but when I looked at what Anna Davis did, I thought, that's amazing, but you did it against the JV team. Yeah. Which may be totally unfair. It could be. But it was just kind of my initial thought. Yep. And obviously what Elmer Torres did was gosh, crazy. It's insane. But this uh, thing for Tyson Portman, which, by the way, this nomination was sent in last week, and I missed it. Ooh. So this actually happened a week previous from what we even thought it did. And it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Like, you, not only are you a great athlete and you did something great now, but you've been great for four years. Yeah. That carries some extra weight. Yeah. I feel bad because I feel like we get goals, standouts routinely yeah that for some reason or another get edged out it's true but in it, it like if you i think if you money, Daniel. i think if you went well, this like, guy's from raymond 
<laughs> goals like if you made Not them money. make them equal in your mind with all other teams except money like all of these other places have really great performances that end up not getting athlete of the week because somebody else does something amazing. Right. It's a hard decision to make. It is really hard decision. Yeah. Let's oh, a woe is us because of these horrible decisions we have yes. to make. So our lives are so hard. So hard. Just <laughs> no one you can imagine sponsor us because we need more for how hard we're our suffering. lives are. We're we're suffering. suffering. No one can imagine the struggle that well, we go. If you I'm for did, Tyson Portman. If you guys wanted to completely just wuss out and pick a historical athlete of the week. Jeff or a, life, a lifetime, a, a lifetime we, athlete we of the week. When we were doing historical athletes of the week, did we ever talk about Mill Ingram? I don't know who that I is. I don't think so. Mm-mm. So he graduated 100 years ago from Aberdeen High School. Well, you really class have not of 1923. A hundred years ago. He uh, is often regarded as the greatest all-around athlete in Grays Harbor history. Whoa. He was the star of Bobcat football victories over Hoquiam in 1921 and 22. Don't like he him. He earned 16 varsity letters at Aberdeen. Get out of here. each in football, basketball, baseball, and track. He was prevented from duplicating that feat at Gonzaga University by a football injury that kept him from playing basketball as a senior. How do you... So he got like 14 of... Yeah. Uh, 14 letters in at Gonzaga. He then signed with the Pittsburgh Pirates and played three games as a pinch runner before retiring from baseball in 1929 and becoming a successful high school coach in Idaho and Oregon, led Grants Pass High School to four state football championships before retiring in 1969. He died in the 70s. How do you get four varsity letters in one year? There's like three seasons. They let you play four seasons, apparently. You know, in Iowa, they also do four seasons. So I remember talking to people who... so there are four seasons, but one of them is summer. Yeah. But what they would do is they would have football, <laughs> basketball, and then track, and then they actually waited until the snow melted off the ground to start baseball. So that would, <laughs> you know, start so you, a little bit later. So you, you would actually play a track. sport while school was not going on? Uh, barely. Oh. Barely. Interesting. It, it, would, it would be like mid-June. They're finishing up. Hmm. But, I mean, you have... Has school started in August when your first <laughs> football games are playing? No. Pretty close, though. Yeah. Well, they... Jamboree. I think school... That right now, our spring, starts our spring sports end with the state titles like a week or two before school's over. Mm-hmm. So they would just split it up a little bit differently and you seem really angry about this uh your your comment was really weird you were like oh they don't have school how can you have a sport going on with no school I just ask the question D- i appreciate i don't know why i got offended about yeah, you that really did i appreciate Dana's defense of the aberdeen bobcat yeah <laughs> okay it's tyson portman right you have anything else you want to yell at me about i don't know why i got so upset about that I think you know why I got upset? No. Because most of our baseball season gets rained out in Grace Harbor. That's so true. Oh, yeah. That's At the true. beginning of the year because they're trying to it's, force a baseball season before the weather's nice enough Justin, for baseball. You're not angry with me. Yeah. With you. Okay. Yeah. It's the WIAA <laughs> as usual. 
He's just mad about and all the little leagues. Games. Yes, yes. It's got to be Tyson Portman. Yeah, right? Tyson Portman. <sighs> sorry, Lincoln. Sorry, Elmer. Yeah, I'm just sorry to Elmer. Sorry, Baylor. I'm just sorry to Elmer. Sorry, Anna Davis. Congratulations. Four, four goals, four goals, and three assists in one game. Not athlete of the week. <laughs> Not good enough. That's stupid. Elmer, be better. I'm. It's just <laughs> dumb. The, it happened the, to fall on the same week because of Justin's incompetence as a hundred win in wrestling. <laughs> I'm sorry. The name of this episode is <laughs> going to be Elmer B. Better. <laughs> Tyson Portman for your 100th win of your wrestling career, which is just absolutely insane. You are our Spivey Athlete of the Week. Thank you so much to the Spivey Realty Group for sponsoring this part of the show. And congratulations again to Tyson Portman. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to see if I can track down the phone number of the Portman I know and tell him, hey, you should buy this kid a gift or something because that's ridiculous. <laughs> it might Get be him. his son. Yeah. No, it's not his son. Pretty sure nephew. Hmm. <laughs> not positive. Hmm. There's only so They're many Portman. County. They're definitely related. Yeah. There's only so many Portmans <laughs> from Menlo, right? <laughs> well, there's only so many Portmans that have two N's at the end of their last name. That's a good point. It's a good point. Is that going to do it for a show? Is it Portman? Portman. <laughs> Portman. That's going to do it for our show today. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this garbage. <laughs> so, <laughs> You're so angry. You threw your phone. You're just a rage monster. I'm. Yeah. I'm about to punch you in the face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, be happy. The Lions are up 21 to 7. Oh, oh my snap. Niners, though. Let's go. Come on, Ners. So, for my co-host, Justin, my Ners, Damashevitz. And my co-host, Daniel, the angry baseball fan, Hargrove. And our trusty producer, Andrew, thank you, thank you, thank you for producing our show. But also barely paying attention and looking up Aberdeen Bobcat history for the entire thing. Good call. Gross. You've been listening to the, to the what is this show called again? Yo Mama. The Scrimmage? I'm a producer's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>